One of the things that stops small business owners from creating marketing content consistently is this feeling of being uninspired, of having no idea what to say in the first place. If you can relate to this, you are in good company. So many of us struggle with knowing what our marketing content should actually be about. But I am here to help. I have come up with 100 prompts that you can use to guide your marketing from your social media posts to your emails to your longer form content. I guarantee that these prompts will get you inspired and that you'll have more ideas than you even know what to do with. You can download this list of 100 marketing prompts for free at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 100 prompts. That's makinggoodpodcast.com slash 100-P-R-O-M-P-T-S. Welcome back to Making Good, the podcast for small businesses who want to make a big impact. I'm your host, Lauren Tilden, and this is episode 142. I have to tell you, I have high hopes for today's episode because it feels really, really important to me that what I have to share with you today really comes through because we're talking about something that is such a common experience, such a painful experience, and for me, such a personal one, and that is not following through making plans, making dreams, doing research, taking courses, even going as far as taking the first step and then not continuing and not following through. If this is something that you can relate to, first of all, I want to say that you are so, so, so not alone. So many of us small business owners and even people in general have seen this pattern play out in our lives time and time again, where we want to do something, we plan on it, we set goals around it. We might even invest in learning everything there is to know about how to do it, And then we simply don't do it. I've spent most of my life in this category of wanting to do things, dreaming of them, learning about them, and then not doing them. From businesses to blogs to exercise regimens to meditation practices, morning routines, to more consistently checking in with my nearest and dearest, there have been so many things throughout my life that I planned on doing that have been so important to me that I've wanted to do with all my heart and that I simply have not done. So I come at this episode from a place of deep understanding because I have been there and it is a daily practice for me to move through and into action. And I know so many other small business owners who have experienced this too. Smart, talented, driven people who sometimes or even all the time struggle with sticking with it, with following through. So in today's episode, my intention is to give you a bit of a roadmap to follow through. We're going to talk about my thoughts on why we do this to ourselves. And then more importantly, I'm going to share everything I know about how to move through it. Are you ready? Okay, let's do this. So let's start by exploring some of the reasons that we do this to ourselves, that we plan, we commit, we research, we think about things a heck of a lot, and then we ultimately don't follow through. For me, one of the big reasons that I've often bailed on my plans and my dreams is because I was being a perfectionist. I wanted to get it exactly right and do it perfectly. And the fear that I wouldn't be able to do it perfectly was so strong that ultimately it stopped me from taking action at all. Other times I failed to follow through because I was afraid of what people around me would think or say about what I was doing. I was afraid of being judged or I wouldn't follow through because it turns out the part of the process I really enjoy is the thinking and the planning and visioning. But when it comes to the day-to-day, day-in, day-out work of making a dream come to life, I found it less exciting and sometimes even boring. So here's what I think all of these concepts boil down to. Sometimes we don't follow through because we're unwilling to be uncomfortable. 
whether we're getting perfectionistic, afraid of judgment, or unwilling to do things that are boring, here's the thing. You can put things out into the world that aren't perfect, even if you wish they would be. You can do the things you want to do, even if you're afraid of what the people around you or in your life will think. And you can do the tasks that will lead you toward your goal, even if you might feel bored at times when you're in the process of executing. So the first step in moving through this lack of follow through is to ask yourself if you're willing to feel a little bit of discomfort, whether that's fear or boredom or whatever, in order to make progress. The second reason that I think sometimes we don't follow through is because it's not actually a top priority. So raise your hand if you're a serial overcommitter. I'm raising both of my hands here. The fact is we can't do everything all at once. There are just only so many hours in the day. So some of us might find ourselves not following through because the reality is we've committed to something, we've dreamed up something that we simply don't have the time for right now. If you find yourself in this situation, you have three choices. You can first adjust your priorities, which means scaling back on something else that you're spending time on. You can save this project for later, in which case I would recommend putting it in your calendar to revisit and see if you're up for it, taking it on a few months down the road. Or finally, you can ask yourself whether this is actually something you want to pursue your time and energy on. It might be something that you actually just don't prioritize and you can cross it off your list altogether. The third reason that I think we don't follow through is because we get overwhelmed. All we can see is the one big goal, but we don't really know how to get there and we don't really know how to start. There is a solution to this overwhelmed feeling that I am looking forward to sharing with you. Now I've talked a little bit about some of the reasons that you might not be following through. But before we move on to my tips about how to actually move through this, I want to invite you to check in with yourself here. If there's something you have in mind that you have simply not been following through on, ask yourself, A, am I willing to sit with this discomfort I might feel and take action anyway? And B, is this project actually a priority for me right now? If your answer to both questions is yes, then let's get you following through. We're going to talk about five ways that you can make sure that you actually follow through. These five ways are number one, make a clear plan. Number two, set a low bar. Number three, be an imperfectionist. Number four, find your focus. And number five, get accountable. So let's start with number one, make a clear, detailed plan. This might sound really, really obvious, but actually this is a step that not many people get right. If you find yourself not following through on things because you feel overwhelmed, you're going to want to pay close attention here because this is the key to cutting through that overwhelm. Whatever your goal is, you want to ask yourself, what does success look like? How will I know if I've met this goal? For example, maybe if your dream has been to start a podcast, you might say, my goal is to publish my first three episodes by January 1st, 2023. This is a clear, measurable objective where it's going to be very obvious whether or not I actually met this goal. Now, the actual magical part of the process is to break down the goal into the smallest possible action steps. We want every single thing on this list to be the smallest possible task that is very easy to accomplish. For example, you don't want to put on your list something like get intro music. That's too broad. And when things are broad and unclear, we tend to get overwhelmed and then we don't take action. So instead of putting on your list, get intro music, think about every small action step that task is comprised of. So for example, get intro music for my podcast might actually be the following five steps. 
Number one, research the best places to get podcast intro music. Number two, do a 10 minute brainstorm about the vibe of the music you want for your show. Number three, spend 30 minutes listening to various tracks and select two of your favorite songs. Number four, ask your audience to vote on your two favorites on your Instagram stories. Purchase the track that your audience selected. So can you see how turning this broad task into super specific micro tasks makes it all so much more doable? After you have your one big long list of tasks involved in making your project or dream happen, you want to space these tasks out over time and assign deadlines to each of them. Okay, so the first step is to make a super clear, super detailed plan for whatever your big goal is. The next step is to set a low bar. When it comes to setting a low bar, I like to talk about what I call the tale of two to-do lists. We're going to imagine two people, person one and person two. Person one wakes up in the morning and makes her to-do list. She has a ton to do, so she puts about 15 things on her list. Person two wakes up in the morning and makes her to-do list as well. She has carefully planned her week so she knows what she has the bandwidth for, and she puts her top three most important tasks on her list. They both go about their day, they work super hard, they are productive. At the end of the day, person number one, the one with 15 items on her to-do list, got three things done. She did the three things on her list that were first and that she felt like doing. She ends the day feeling discouraged, not having moved toward her goals at all because she didn't prioritize those things and like she'll never get through all the work she has on her plate. At the end of the day, person two, the person with three items on her to-do list also got three things done. She did the three things she knew were the top priority to make concrete progress toward her goals. And she finished her day feeling inspired and motivated and excited to get up and get more stuff done tomorrow. So they both got three things done, but who would you rather be? This is the power of setting a low bar, of not overcommitting yourself, and of setting yourself up for success. When it comes to your to-do list, undercommit. If you finish your most important tasks, you can always do more. Of course you can. But then at least you know that you got done what most needed to happen. The best way to set yourself up for success is to make a plan that is doable and achievable in the first place. So looking at the detailed plan that you made in the first part of this process, I'd encourage you to look at each of the deadlines you assigned yourself week by week, do some mental math of how much time you think the tasks would take you, and then get honest with yourself. Do you have time to do all of these tasks each week? If the answer is no, that's totally okay. It just means we need to revise a little bit. Look at your plan and ask yourself, does the deadline need to move out a little bit further? Are there parts of this plan that just aren't mission critical that might be nice to haves instead of need to haves that I could just take off? Use this approach of setting a low bar to revise your plan. Okay, so let's talk about the third element that will help you follow through, and that is to be an imperfectionist. Okay, so this isn't actually a real word, I don't think, but I love it, so I'm going with it. Here's something that is true. The only way to get better at something is to do it. And you can't do something perfectly the first time or honestly, really ever. Here are some examples of things that have proven to be significant turning points in my life. First, teaching myself how to do calligraphy and later watercolor. Then taking on running a retail store, starting a podcast and starting a membership program. What do these things have in common? Well, the common denominator is that doing each and every one of these things required me to take action and do things, even though I know I wasn't going to even be very good at them. I know I wasn't going to be able to do perfectly, but somehow I found the courage to do them anyway, very imperfectly. 
I've been noticing something else about imperfectionism recently, and that's the fact that actually people kind of like it. I'm not saying intentionally put typos in your emails or send out the wrong date for an event or anything like that. But what I've noticed is that the more of the real unpolished me I show, the better. For example, in my membership program, I have a private daily podcast with short to the point episodes that come out each weekday. This means that I'm creating a lot of episodes, five every week. And the only way that I've been able to make all of this happen is because I've been willing to have imperfect episodes. Sometimes my dog is barking in the background. Sometimes you can hear my kid, Casey, shrieking with delight in the background. Sometimes there are other small issues. But you know what? It turns out that my members love it. They love to hear Puff or Casey and experience me and my life for real. So the truth is that not only can being an imperfectionist be truly freeing and can empower you to actually take action, but I believe it will also help your audience feel more connected to you. Okay, so fourth on this list is to find your focus. And this one is important. Well, they're all important, but this one is especially. So something we're not really taught to do is to think about the conditions that we work best in. This is different for everyone. It's not a one-size-fits-all kind of situation, but the truth for all of us is that sometimes we're more productive than other times, and there are patterns here. Think about a time that you were so, so, so productive that you were flying through your to-do list and you just felt great while you were working. What were the conditions in place? For example, I've learned a lot about how I work best over the years. I love some good focus music in my headphones to keep me in the zone. I use an online subscription tool called Focus at Will that has music scientifically optimized to help me stay in the zone. I've been using this tool for years and I love it, but you don't have to use Focus at Will specifically. You can also find other focus music for free by searching around YouTube, for example. I've also learned that I need my workspace to be relatively clear, my desk especially. My surroundings affect me, and when they are chaotic, my brain feels chaotic. I've noticed that distractions and interruptions really affect me and pull me out of the zone, so I need to create the conditions the best I can to avoid being interrupted. I know that if I'm too hungry or too tired, I am not going to be able to work at my best. I know that my best focus time is in the mornings, ideally before others in my household are even awake. And I know that I love working with other people in the same room as me, but with our headphones on. And this is great for accountability. Another tool I use for focusing is what's called the Pomodoro Technique. This is a simple productivity strategy that anyone can use. Basically, you work in 25-minute increments, where you work for 25 minutes straight, and then you give yourself a five-minute break, and then you repeat. So for me, I listen to my focus music for 25 minutes. Then when the timer goes off, I chill out for a bit, and then I get back to it and start another Pomodoro. All of what I just shared is what works for me, but it's important to think about what works for you. If you don't know instinctively, start paying attention as you work and observe what kinds of conditions, locations, timings seem to be correlated with your most productive, focused work time. Okay, so now that you know and you can create the conditions that will help you be the most focused you possibly can, it's time for my absolute favorite thing on this list, which is number five, build in accountability. My friends, accountability is the secret sauce when it comes to getting stuff done. It just is. I've always been the kind of person who is very reliable for other people. If I tell you I'll be somewhere or do something for you, you better believe I'll show up. I have never struggled to meet my homework deadlines or work deadlines when I worked for other people. 
But then when I went out to work for myself, everything changed. I found myself putting together lots of grand plans and then simply pushing back the deadlines again and again and again. This cycle of constantly disappointing myself and letting myself down was really hard to experience. I felt really bad about myself and often discouraged. It was painful. But the one thing that changed everything for me was something I stumbled upon accidentally when I started making friends with other small business owners. I found myself joining accountability groups where we would commit to what we were going to do in a given week or month, and then we would all report our progress back the next time we met. And to my surprise and absolute delight, when other people were involved, it turns out I could get stuff done again and meet my deadlines. And you know what? It turns out that accountability is a powerful motivator for just about everyone, not just me. So let's talk about three different ways that you can use accountability to make yourself follow through. The first kind of accountability you can use is accountability with your peers. When I'm working on projects, I like to connect with other small business owners and let them know what I'm working on and when I've committed to things being done. Look for your small business friends and find ways to create accountability amongst you all. I would bet you a pretty penny that it will help everyone become much more effective and productive. I'm such a believer in accountability that it is a core part of my membership program, Making Good Happen. The doors are not currently open, but if you're interested in more details when we open the doors again, which will be within a couple months, you can join the waitlist at makinggoodhappen.co. That's co, not .com. So the second way you can build in accountability in your business is with your team. Not everyone has or even wants to have employees or other people that work in their business. So if that's not part of your plan or your reality, you can ignore this part. But if you currently have or you want to have employees, you can create accountability with them. Just like you probably give them deadlines, I also like to commit to them when I'm going to be doing certain things and have them ready for them. This especially works well when the person I'm working with needs something from me in order to do their job. If I know they can't do their job without me completing my end of the deal, I do it. And the third way you can build in accountability in your business is through sharing with your audience and your customers. So this is super, super powerful. When I have a big plan, I no longer keep it to myself. If I'm launching a product collection, I share that with other people and I let them know when they can expect to see it. When I launched my membership program, Making It Happen, I talked about it for a couple of months before I even had a website you could sign up with. And even then I said on January 3rd, Making Good Happen launches. If I hadn't set that date of January 3rd, I can tell you with 100% certainty that this program would not exist. That public commitment was so powerful. Also, if you have a piece of content that you release regularly, tell your audience that. For example, this podcast always comes out on Tuesdays and I pull out all the stops to make that happen, even sometimes if it leads me to a late night because I know people are waiting for it. Finally, you can use accountability with your clients and customers by setting expectations around when they can expect to receive things from you. For example, if you know that your order confirmation promises that your product will arrive within 10 days, you're going to be much more motivated to make it happen on that timeline than if that hadn't been committed and that expectation hadn't been set with your customer. One of the best things about accountability is that it helps us sit with that discomfort we talked about earlier in this episode. Sometimes there are things in your business that you just won't feel like doing or you're scared of or whatever, but when you've committed to someone else that you're going to do it, the discomfort associated with letting them down or with not sticking to your word becomes greater. And so you'll become much more willing to complete the task despite the boredom or the fear or whatever else is going on. So as we wrap this episode up, here's what I want to say about following through. 
Even if you are someone who doesn't feel like you have a great track record with follow through, you absolutely can change that pattern. The key is going to be to approach things a little bit differently next time to maybe try putting one of the things we talked about here into play. Don't keep doing things the same way you've always done them and then expect different results. To sum things up, here's what we covered today. We talked about the fact that if you struggle with follow through, you are in seriously good company. This is something that so many of us small business owners can relate to. We talked about some of the reasons that we don't follow through fear, perfectionism, overwhelm, and overcommitting. We talked about my five strategies for sticking with it to make a clear plan, set a low bar, be an imperfectionist, find your focus and build in accountability. I so, so, so hope this episode has been helpful to you. And I would love to hear from you if you do put some of this into play and find yourself following through a little more easily. Okay, so I just edited this episode. I'm popping back in after the fact to say, I feel like this episode is actually a perfect illustration of what I was talking about with imperfectionism and how things don't have to be perfect to be valuable. As I was editing, I heard the noises of Kate going up and down the stairs. Right now I hear my dog barking. I heard a coffee grinder and all of these things, even though I was like, oh, I wish that wasn't there. Hopefully you still find that this episode is still useful, despite the fact that it may be imperfect. So I just had to pop in here and show that this episode is kind of a perfect illustration of exactly what I was talking about. You can find the show notes from this episode at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 142. That's 142. If you enjoyed this episode, I would be so grateful for your support. Here are three ways that you can give back to making good. First, I would be honored for you to leave a rating and review in your favorite podcast player. And don't forget to subscribe or follow. If you have a friend you think would enjoy the podcast, you can send them the link. That's makinggoodpodcast.com slash 142. And finally, take a screenshot of your podcast player while you're listening and tag me on social media at Lauren Tilden. I would love to connect with you and cheer you on. Thank you for being here and for focusing on making a difference with your small business. Talk to you next time.